So that is an introduction to the work that we've been involved with. This is our family. Uh, most of them are here except Lois. She's with my mom and dad right now, traveling back from Charlotte on a trip. Um, but we've worked, uh, Ruth and I, I think next year for me, it'll be 20 years with Pickle in 1930. And uh, we've met and we lived for a long time in Central African Republic, getting to know, especially a certain, uh, and you look at, you know, there's 72 different languages, distinct languages, each have their own dialects. So these are just distinct languages that we work with. And uh, I'm now kind of specializing with a certain group of languages, called the bio language families. And, uh, and so a lot of related languages, but I'm sort of familiar with the grammar and how they function in a lot of several of these languages. So able to work with some of the new projects that are starting there and continuing some of the older projects that we've been working with. Um, so that's kind of what I work. I'm a translation consultant, which is basically uh, training and quality control and working with the team to make sure that this is translated accurately in a way that's natural and that communicates uh, in a natural way to, that they can understand. So that's basically what I do. And uh, lived there for many years, a very unstable place uh, politically. And so that's one of the reasons that we cannot return there and live there. Mm -hmm. um, even for a while, we were thinking we probably wouldn't stay there as our kids get into teenage years, just because of the isolation was kind of connected with the stability of the area. Uh, some of our security code is also pretty tight, but we would have to live more. So um, able to work at a distance. So now, because AT&T doesn't live beside my parents uh, in a house that we built, just besides the Goofus Creek. And uh, so get to work with teams and do work all these teams at a distance. So it's kind of an amazing thing. And so continuing to work and meeting with these teams verse by verse, going through the scriptures, working through them, uh, and checking them in our various quality control processes that we have. What are we doing in general? Uh, like I said, translation consultant, work with four translation teams, Gobito, Manja, Baya, and Banu. Uh, work as a part of the team in the quality assurance process. Combined, the population is communities are around a million people, which is roughly 20% of uh, the population in CDR. About the size of Texas, about five, about roughly five million, probably a little bit more. Kind of simple census data. And Ruth teaches and nurtures us all every day in homeschool and everyday life. So Ruth is always, you know, homeschooling our children and you know doing all that's necessary <laughs> as as I always like to say keep nice clothes and their right mind. Um, one of the things that's recently been exciting uh, in our update is the Bogotil New Testament and Psalms. This is kind of a big deal. This is the so this is the title page on the left, Mbembe Malcolm, literally the new blood drinking, which is the way of saying the new covenant. Uh, that's their term for covenant. That's a Literal rendering, it's a compound word, but for them it's a covenant, uh, old term, and gumo'o, which is psalms. Psalms, of course, that's what psalms mean. Uh, so the title page, and we have a scene from Acts 27, of course, this high adventure there with Paul's uh, trip to Rome. Uh, the manuscript was sent off on September 1st to the printers in South Korea. This is a big deal. This is, this is, I don't know, 15 years, uh, culmination of about 15 years of work with them. And uh, working with them. So they should be printed, received, and hopefully dedicated within the community in the next year. Um, it's always a big deal <laughs> getting them delivered in through port, you know, how they corrupt port. <laughs> so pray for that, all that process, community, super excited, and uh, are hungry for this. They're very excited. And so, yeah. And first, you know, as we also want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, this kind of work and these kinds of culmination of these projects and working and building into these teams, building into church leaders uh, has been possible because you guys pray for us because you give to us. And so I, I want to hopefully buy a whole bunch of these, some of these New Testaments as well <laughs> and bring one and give one to y'all and to say thank you uh, once we get that. But in the meantime, we're, we're working. Uh, what are we doing specific as far as with the translation desk? Uh, what I've been doing just this past week um, recently. Bogato, uh, that's the team that you're just seeing. We were finishing up their New Testament. They were already finished that. Uh, pray for funding for the Old Testament project. We were drafting a lot. You have to ask me probably at this point which Old Testament books have not been drafted in first draft. So they're going through it. The actual drafting of the translation doesn't take very long. It's all the quality assurance and checks with community, with the church leaders, with me, with everyone within the team. Uh, it takes a long time because uh, taking quality is... You know, obviously, God's word is very important. You think that's seriously. So, 
So yeah, there's there's so much work that's going on. Manja is one of the teams I work with. These are related languages always. Uh, next 18 months, we are starting the pre-publication tests before the New Testament. So looking through right now, this week, I've been looking through a set of about 1,800 key terms in the New Testament and seeing if they're translating them consistently, if they should be. Uh, and you know, are all the spelling of the word for, um, I don't know, Pisidian Antioch or whatever, or Caesarea Philippi, are they spelling it the same? Everything from that to are we translating these inconsistently for the return for, I don't know, belief or heart or this kind of emotion. So looking at all these different terms. So that's what we're doing. And that's just one of the tasks that will probably take me the next two months. I'm looking at the teams. So they're hopefully soon as well finishing up the New Testament. Uh, the Bible, this is our original village project that we worked with. It was an Old Testament project, rebooting it. Uh, because of some of the personnel problems within the team, they shut down that project and the community really wanted it. And so we found out that we have some translators and actually someone we know <laughs> who's probably been selected. There's, they were doing selection this last several weeks. And so they're going to send these candidates to um, the uh, Central Catholic Bible Translation Society that we look hand in hand with. And they're going to go through and see who are the best candidates. And so the community and the church has set forth their people. And then they won't do that. In Manu, this is a new team as well. And we are checking the Jesus Film script, which is, as you know, if you're familiar with Jesus Film, it's basically mostly, it's all taken from Luke. It's not completely, but a lot of Luke is taken through that. And so we're going through, it's just very effective for uh, uh, evangelization and introducing people to Jesus because it's the only film in that language. <laughs> and so they hear, as they always say, hey, tonight Jesus is speaking money. And so they're working through that and we're checking that right now. So that's kind of things we're doing. Uh, pray for us. Pray for us for our transition to North Carolina. We've been in Dallas for the last several years and we realize we can't return, continue to work remotely with these teams, take trips to CAR to continue to make that connection and personal connection with everyone. And now, so we said we can be anywhere. Let's be beside our parents where I grew up. And uh, so it's good to be here. Pray for us as we, you know, five kids and lots of roots in Dallas and Africa and, and getting uprooted constantly and, you know, finding that we have a good settlement here. We pray for that. We pray for all the translation people in CR. Uh, as you can imagine, the, uh, if you read anything about the history, let's just say instability is a key, key word of understanding our, our country in particular. Even in the South African region, there's lots of conflict, particularly has been challenging, second least of that nation in the world. Lots of instability, lots of sickness, lots of death. Um, when we're always trying to build in and train our colleagues to help kind of do what I do, we do that and then they pass away because average lifespan is in the low 50s for them. In some areas, mid 40s to upper 40s is average life expectancy. So, you know, it's just, a, it's just a challenging environment. So, can you pray for them? Some of the most lovely Christian folk and dedicate them to uh, the translation colleagues that I work with. I want to be like them. They've gone through much more testing than I have. And, and so, so, yes, that's kind of an introduction to what we do. If there's any other questions, this is, I don't know, I consider it quite informal. Feel free to ask a question. Yes. So, so, do you speak these languages? And you write them and all of them? Yes. And so there's a couple of the languages that I'm quite familiar with, Baya and Bogoto. And there's the other languages they are very similar. So when I was working with the Banu, which is a brand new translation team, it is similar to Bogoto. They're actually languages, the, the, the areas in which they spoke touch. So there's contact. And so there's some identical words, but a lot of the structures are similar. So pretty quickly, I can kind of say, oh, you, should, you might want to say this. And I think I just made it up from the Bogota, translating directly in Mikbanu with the words, and they just thought I was amazing. <laughs> but it's like, no, you guys, your languages are related, so they're very, they're different. They are different, but, but related. So being able to know a couple of these languages, I'm just saying a lot of times, let me work with these teams because I already know a lot of the issues that we're going to deal with. So, yeah. It, it, it can be complicated, and a lot of it is helping the native speakers work through these issues in a thoughtful way. And that's where I come in and help. So sharing them through that. Well, you are going tonight, if you have your Bibles, open up to the Bible.
<laughs> and we're going to be looking at this concept of being filled with the Spirit. And one of the reasons you're getting this particular text is because I've just never done a deep dive in this text, and um, Ruth has seen me with all my commentaries and everything just laid out one night, and I go, I think I get this text. <laughs> and so that's why I'm preaching it. And I can say spirit-filled missions, uh, because my missions are done. And it touches all our lives and everything we do because it's not a command to missionaries. Well, hear then what Holy Scripture says. Before we start this break, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We're we'll going to be looking at Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Hear then what Holy Scripture says. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or dissipation. It's, it's a word in Greek that means you dissolve. And it's a way another translation gets it gets just right. Well, that will ruin your life. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. true. It's, it's debauchery or dissipation. That's how they translate that. Died of destruction. But you feel the spirit. Dressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart or in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to be looking at. If uh, just kind of our structure for sermon is, oh, okay, so we're going to like, what does that mean? What does be filled with the Spirit mean? We're going to look a little bit at the grammar, not too much. Don't want to bore us to tears. It's already the evening. We don't want to talk about Greek grammar too much, but it is quite important to understand what Paul is getting at. And then we're going to reverse engineer the Spirit's end result. Okay, a little reverse engineering to kind of understand what this passage is about. We'll, we'll explain all this. And then we're going to do, well, how do you do it? At the end. So if I, I was talking to Sam, so if I were to say to you, be filled with the Spirit, Sam, what would you do? He's like, be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> and he said, I don't know. I said, well, there we go. It's a good point. It's a good starting point. All right. So first we're going to look at the grammatical structure. Let's look at this phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I asked that question <laughs> and you can almost ask you, I'm not going to ask you individually, uh, what would you do? It's kind of a command. It's two aspects of this. There's a construction in Greek that we don't have. It's called a passive. So if I was to, I have a piece of paper here. I can wad and throw. Okay, let's just say uh, we have two voices in grammar, okay? Active voice, which is it means I do something to an object. So I hit the podium. I, you know, the agent, and I'm hitting something. I'm performing an action on something. If it's a passive voice, the action is performed on me. So if you're going to get the Bible and throw it at me, so he hit me with the Bible. I was hit by the Bible. So I am the agent, but the action was performed upon me. All right? And so here we have this idea, two idea that what we call in Greek. We don't have it in English, so we have to translate our best way to get it. It's kind of hard in English. Um, you're commanded to do something. It is a passive command. So we're going to be looking at two aspects of this, being filled with the Spirit. Two aspects I think are important for understanding. It's passive command. And also, it's a pouring metaphor. So let's look at this. Passive. Passive is do something, command. We are commanded to do something so that something is done to us. So do something. Be filled with the Spirit. That's a passive because it's something that is done to us. But you do it. You're kind of like, well, how do I do that? It's an important thing to understand. So do something. In such a way that it's done upon you. It's a very particular thing that we just don't have in English. Some would say, let the Spirit fill you. That's one way to do it. 
make it so that the spirit is feeling you? It's kind of a weird concept, isn't it? It's actually kind of a really interesting and important concept of what Christian life is like in general. Let's kind of look at this. So we have, first thing that you do is, um, so it's something that is passive, it's done to us. So the spirit does it, right? So we don't wield him. He is free. If you read Psalm 115, that's one of the big things, the difference between Yahweh and idols. You can't control Yahweh. Yahweh is faithful to his word. But idols you can control. If you do the right ceremony, pray the right prayer, do the right sacrifice, you get the good thing that you want through that. And Psalm 115 says, our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. Amen. And so we don't wield the spirit. Remember, I don't know if you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia. Remember the times when Aslan growls at the children because he gets activated with them? Mm -hmm. It's because they think they can control him. You can't. As famous line says, it's not a tame line, right? You can't control him. Exactly. But he is good. That's right. So we don't control the spirit. But also in this, we're not passive either. It's not like we just sit there and go, spirit changes and then. Something, you know, comes over me and then I stop cheating on my taxes or on my That's <laughs> not the way it works. So it's something that which we are engaging ourselves in. But it's also something that we don't control either, which is the Christian life. Right? We don't control the world. We don't control everything around us. But we trust them and we do what God has asked to do. So what are we to do? Okay, we'll be talking about that. Okay, so it's something that we do. And so a good translation might be, well, we'll get to that. Let's look at the pouring metaphor. And also we have this idea of being filled. All right, pouring metaphor. So hang with me. It's a too important thing, being filled, right? It's not a literal filling. You know, there's, there's no liquid involved. We're not actual cups. This is a metaphor. It's a pouring metaphor. So there's three elements that are important in this. Someone who is pouring, who is that? The cup being poured into probably us, because we're to be filled, right? You're the container, that's right. You're the container, what's being poured? Pushing, right? And so here's what it seems uh, to be, to identify these. And this is also a very important thing, which I think there's a big confusion on. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and a lot of good things about it, a lot of things that I would criticize a little bit about, and a lot of confusion that I found growing up on this particular issue, this is probably why this text is so important to me, kind of really seeing what we need. Um, if someone who is pouring is the spirit, he's not what is being poured. Mm. And the reason I say that is, not get too much, you look at every basically great construction connected with the verb to fill, in this particular construction that appears, never, never is the spirit what's being, never is the thing being that which is being poured, but it's the one who is doing the pouring, okay? And the cup pouring us, us. What is being poured is not the spirit. And I just want to say that that's pretty clear from the Greek. Plerao with the preposition and with the data. It's always what's pouring. It's not the spirit that's the container. So you're not a container. The spirit doesn't leak out of you. It's not the idea of which, which I heard being taught before. Uh, that's the idea of the spirit is what is pouring into you. He is the one who is pouring something into you. What is it? Not explicitly mentioned, but we'll, we'll talk about this. And this is what the reverse engineering part of the text is going to look at. So a translation, you know, that we're just going to give here. It says, make it so that it's the spirit that's filling you. That the one who is pouring into your life is the spirit. Not something else. It's kind of, you get, make it clear. Is it the spirit that's influencing you? Is it something else? Paul saying, make sure it's the spirit that's filling you. We're going to be talking about that. Well, how does that look? How do we do that? What does that mean? Well, and continuing with this, what does this mean? We have this thing called, um, this is another structure thing. This is helpful. How many of you look down at your text? There's probably various translations in here. Uh, we have the we have the command be filled with the spirit in verses 19. You, you see a lot of the verbs there with ing's on them at the end. Addressing, uh, singing, making melody, giving thanks, submitting to one another. You see all those ing's? Maybe you have it. Depending on your translation, it might be a little different. Well, that's the way a lot of literal translations are 
translating these great things called parsimals, which are usually translated as INGs, you know, something that's happening right now, uh, yeah, continual action, present action. Well, there's this structure. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Independence Day back in the 90s? Yeah. Remember that Will Smith back when he was punching aliens and yeah. set of people <laughs> on the Oscars? Um, well, so we have this idea. I don't know if you remember that movie. There was the aliens who came and invaded, and there's these little alien spaceships, lasers are coming, they're shooting everyone. And they finally figure out how to kill, how do you kill all the little, little alien ships? You go up to the you go up to the mothership, you get a little hint there, right? You destroy the mothership because the mothership controls all the other little ones, right? And so there's a connection between all these little things and the main things. Well, there is, yes, I used say Independence Day to illustrate Greek grammar. We have this idea of all these little INGs. This is a structure in Greek, right? Where the imperative sometimes will have these little parsimals, and they're all connected to the pair to the main imperative that's there. It's a structure that happens in there. So in other words, all that to say is all these little things there is connected to being filled with the Spirit. And the idea behind it is, the result is basically, this is the result. These aren't commands. There's not, okay, you guys need to really start singing these spiritual songs, and you need to start submitting to one another. These are not commands. This is saying, this is what a Spirit-filled, person who's filled by the Spirit looks like. This is results. This is what a this is what a result is, right? So all the participles, ing words, are connected to the mothership imperative. Be filled. This is showing what the results are. So what is a spirit-filled person who's filled by the spirit look like? And that's what it's saying. <clears throat> the structure is the way Paul is saying this is what a life that the spirit has filled looks like. Now, first, before we say what the results are, let's see what they're not. So anybody did say miracles, speaking in tongues. Visions, dreams, static experiences, hopping around, barking like dogs, about everything that you can say that are main things. And this is done by someone who did all these things. We did call like that. But he did have visions. Paul. He did speak in tongues. He says, the Corinthians, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. He did. And he performed miracles. But he's saying, what is, when you are influenced by the Spirit, really, what are the things that happen? He doesn't mention any of those things. These are the things that, that this is much more earthy. This is not something that happens in a church. These are mainly things that don't happen in a church, but some of them do. Okay. So when we look at all these things, what is the spirit? What is like when the spirit is pouring into my life? What am I going to be like? So we're going to look at the results. <coughs> and uh, then we're going to reverse engineer. Okay. Well let's, well, let's just kind of look at them. Okay, what's the things that there are results? Let's look at that. Singing together. Look at that. Look down at the text. Verse 19. Addressing one another. It's singing together. It's kind of a corporate thing. Addressing one another in psalms. Singing the actual psalms. You should try sometime. It's a really wonderful thing. A friend of mine up in Central African Republic, he's a great songwriter, Christian songwriter. He just did Psalm 139, verses 2 through 8. He did this great song, right? Sing the psalms, sing hymns. There's not a lot to say. We don't know a lot about these terms. These are probably not, it's a non-scripture song. So the kinds of songs that we would sing, probably just a general term for songs. And we have spiritual songs, which we're not 100% sure what that means. It's probably not songs about the spirit, or maybe a song that spirit inspires you to sing. Like, what's the song you want? Man, I really want to sing this. I'd rather have Jesus. I always get inspired to sing that. I love that song, right? Or a song that the spirit Helps you to write. Who knows? We're not really 100% sure, but there's just some kind of guided spirit singing that we have here. And then you sing to yourself. Kind of interesting thing. We'll, we'll be talking about that. It says, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. I actually looked up this phrase in Greek, every occurrence of it. And anytime there's any communication done in the heart, you know what that means? You're doing it to yourself. So if he says something, and he said something in his heart to Jesus, which means he was thinking it or he was muttering it out of his breath. This idea of you sing to yourself. Isn't that weird? This is someone who actually healed people through the Spirit's power. He goes, man, when the Spirit really gets you, you'll be singing to yourself. We'll talk about fine. And thankful in your heart, thankful heart for all things. Well, we have Greek up there for that, for that man. Thankful in your heart for all things. And you submit to one another. 
Okay, so that's the result of what a spirit looks like. So we have this idea of, okay, do something so that something happens to you. When that happens, these four things happen. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to reverse engineer that spirit work so we can kind of understand what is the spirit really doing? We're seeing the result, but how do we get from A to B? When the spirit feels you, so what's what's going on in our lives? What's going on in our heart? It's probably something once you say it, you kind of go, yeah, that's happened to me. That happens to me. I understand that. Uh, at least it did to me. So let's reverse engineer that. I don't know if you ever, I was hearing this story one time about in Paris. You think went to a Gucci store and uh, you know, they had these big fancy designer purses and they cost tens of thousands of dollars. And apparently there's these guys from China who come and they'll buy a Gucci purse. But they take back to China and they reverse engineer it. They, they, they take the end product, take it apart, unsew it, and so that they can make some you know, fake, really good replica of this Gucci person, sell it to some poor schmo for you know, some money, make a lot of money off of it. So we're going to reverse engineer. So we're looking at, okay, when the spirit really gets is pouring into your life, become a singer with other people, with yourself, you submit to another and you're thankful. Okay, so let's reverse engineer that and see what is the spirit up to. If that's the end result, let's look, take it apart and look at it. Okay, so I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to tell you what the end, what I think the Spirit is doing, so we can go ahead. Yeah. So what is the Spirit doing? And then we'll look at each one of these results and go, okay, why are people thankful? What is going on that makes you thankful? But I just want to try to go, I've kind of done the work ahead of time, but let's look at this. What is the work of the Spirit in our life? The great work of the Spirit is that he enables us to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. That we are saved eternally, solely by grace, by Jesus giving his life for us. A grace that is so significant and wonderful to us that we consider those who have been found, who have been found by the same grace. I did say find this grace, but it's kind of grace that finds us is the point of Who have been found by the same grace to be our family. Such a wonderful and significant thing that those are those who have found the same precious treasure. We would say, we literally say, that's my family. You know, but my son, you know, our daughters come up to us at like three o'clock and four o'clock in the morning and want sex, right? And we'll sometimes do it. Ruth usually does one. We'll get woken up at three or four. But if one of you came to my house three or four in the morning, I, I, would, I would, I don't know. It's my family. It's my, it's my blood, you know. I'll do stuff for them. But there's something so significant about these about this grace that we found that the spirit helps us to see supernatural power to love what we've already believed, make it real to us. Those people, everything to us, believe the same thing, the same blood. It's almost literally, right? So I think that's what it's that's how it works. And that's why we have all these four things as a result. So let's look at each one of these. Singing to each other, as we look down in verse 11, addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You sing. You sing. You sing. Ever wonder that? Why do we sing? As the old song, I, I just thought of this song. Why did you sing about anything? Well, well, first, I was going to get the ice cream chair around the dinner table. So there is ice cream that is announced sometimes. Sometimes I'll secretly get it and stash it away. And then somebody might see it, but they won't say anything. So it comes to the end of the dinner and we go, we have something else we're going to have dessert tonight? Yeah. We might have some ice cream. And what happens when I say we might have some ice cream? It's my way of saying we have ice cream. What do people do? Yeah! What happens when your team wins? Yeah! It's a kind of singing, isn't it? It's like there's normal talk and there's a kind of happiness and joy that comes when you, and you just got to do something. You might move, you might yell, you might sing, ask me, ask And that's why we sing, because we like something. There's lots of reasons that we sing. But there's a kind of happiness and a kind of joy that's actually real, that's produced by the Spirit, not just some manufactured thing. To surround the truth of who he is. And now that we see the world through this lens of no matter what happens to you, we'll get to this mission. No matter what happens, it's 
going to be all right. We don't live in a tragedy, right? This is not Hamlet. Christian life is not Hamlet where everybody dies. It's sad. It's an empty stage, you know? It's a full stage. And it's a wedding. No matter what happens, it will be okay. And that's our story. When the Spirit grips us, he does it right now. And we're reminded of it, right? Part of the old liturgy, when they, when they talk about the, after having a communion, they say, it is good, isn't it good to remind ourselves of these things? Mm-hmm. They would say that. They would literally say, it's good for us to remind ourselves of these things. They actually repeated that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it is. Mm-hmm. Because it's true. We need that. The Spirit helps us to see the world through that lens. You know what? There is a amount of joy that happens in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of all sorts of things. Are you being filled by the Spirit? Are you making sure it's the Spirit that's filling you up? I ask myself that. We sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free. Because the gospel is true. I have this button in my in my, I found it. I lost it for a while. I found it in my bag tonight. There's a little button that says, the stories are true. And it's that idea that everything that Jesus has said is true. All the things he said about us, it's true. We sing. We sing together. Great work of the Spirit that enables us to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. Oh, sorry, I missed a word. And then we have singing in your heart. Let's look down there. It says, making melody to the Lord, you're singing to God directly. That God can actually hear you. And you sing him and you know it. And you're singing, you're addressing him in your heart. And now some translations might say, oh, this is like with your heart, they're singing with your heart. Well, that's what we say in English. It doesn't happen to be actually, there's no examples of that in Greek. They're clear. It's not singing with all your heart. It's singing to your heart, which is this idea of singing to yourself. Very interesting concept, isn't it? Why would you? Oh, sorry, I didn't raise this. It says all communication in your heart in the New Testament is understood as an internal communication. In this context, we are singing to ourselves. And given the example I was just reading the other day from New Christianity with C.S. Lewis, and he was talking about why is singing in your heart such a an obvious for Paul? It was great, you know, he raised somebody from the dead. <laughs> well, when the Spirit really gets over, you start singing to God. C.S. Lewis was talking about in your Christianity as far as he was saying, you don't really know how bad you are um, until you start trying to be good. <laughs> and then he was he was telling this story and he said, you know, in most of my, he says, when he became a Christian, he says, most of the confession I had at the end of the day when I pray is like, usually it's like, I was kind of a jerk. Uh, I didn't, I said something unloving, it was rude. And, you know, and he said, and I tended to give myself these excuses like, well, I was just caught off guard by this situation and then he kind of said he says you don't start only know that you do bad things but you realize that you're bad and he was saying when you're caught off guard quote unquote isn't it almost by definition who you really are <laughs> who you are in your most quiet secret isn't that actually who you are because you know if, if my kid's acting up in church I'm probably going to discipline them a little different than I would at home okay I'll probably be a little more grumpy, right? Or maybe not as sweet and as nice. You know, maybe I'll just, you know, because there's a lot of reasons that we act the way we do in certain contexts. We're on guard, right? <laughs> We're on guard in church, maybe, or at work, or in my other polite society. But if I'm caught off guard, that's actually who I am. And I'm not putting it front. And that's why it's fascinating. That's what Jesus judges the heart, right? That is lusting in your heart. I remember I was talking with a guy who goes, what in the world is wrong with that? He's struggling. He's working on trying to be a Christian. I think he is. Or he's working on, we'll see uh, if he believes or not. And he's struggling through this. He goes, who cares? You lust in your heart. For goodness sake. Of all the things. You know? And he says, and I said, there's, there's lots of reasons you would not do something. Just because you're afraid of punishment. And what you do in your side of your heart, it's who you are. That's why God looks at that. This is the most true indicator of who you are. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're singing for the Lord? There's a real internal change in your life. Not just with others, 
is like hearing harmonies or singing doxology at our church that we go to today. It's so lovely with harmonies. It's fun to sing that. It's different to sing in the heart, you know, in the shower. And then we look at, we continue to kind of repeat this. We get a great work of the Spirit that enables us to see all of life and live the gospel. Another thing is that we give thanks. The joy, what is giving thanks? The joyful recognition of receiving. That we are actually all welfare recipients. We receive things. We do not deserve them. We don't give them. We don't have the resources ourselves. But we receive from another. It's actually the basis of the gospel. We don't like that. We may not be Christian. That's, that's the basis of the gospel. Is we receive a gift. Grace. It's not a forced thanks demanded by a grumpy God, but a glad hearty recognition for all things in our lives. Because look at what it says. It says, giving thanks always and for everything. Literally for all things. You're not just talking about all the nice things. The whole point that he says all things is that it's all the things positive and negative that in our lives. Interesting. The spirit gets a hold of it. And in this, we have number one, a sovereign God who's in control. Because we should get thanks for all things in our life because he's actually in control of all Amen. And the spirit helps us to realize for our lives are filled with the spirit. And giving us, we can have the power to see sometimes after and through years of tears mm -hmm. over many years. Not everything can be given thankful for immediately, nor should we always expect that. Not till the yeah, there's plenty of terrible things that will take years to work through. But that the end of the story is not just despair, anxiety, and grief forever for evil that happens to us. But we see the end from afar. We see that it will all be well for us in the end. If it's not yet all well, then it's not the end yet. Since here we are not only a product of our past, but we are even more so a product of our future. It is, what is our hope? Jesus says, watch for you. Put your treasure in your heart, your internal, who you are, life will follow it. It's our hope. And the Spirit helps us to see that it's going to be all right. And even the things that are terrible can help us if we can trust Him that He's good enough to believe. And we can see the story for what it is. The stories are true, it's all true. What we see and what we hope for and what we feel is our ultimate good will change the direction we respect in our lives. Extraordinary. The Spirit is behind it. But we can say thank you. I was, I was saying that, I was trying that, I was trying it out. Trying doing this. And I was looking at something that's like challenging this month. Here's a challenge. Thank you for Lord, it'll work out. It'll work out, whatever it is. Okay, it'll be all right. I heard my dad was saying, I was telling my problems, but you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And he meant that in an eschatological way that I'm talking about. Well, it's all going to be And I was saying again, I, I like saying this. It will be well for us in the end. And if it's not all well yet, it's not the end yet. Spirit helps us. We can say thank you. Because he's good enough and trustworthy enough to do it. We're not only a product of the past, we're more so a product of our future in other words. What is our hope? And we um, throw that again. Great work of the Spirit enables us to see of all of life, the lens of the gospel, that we are saved eternally, so by grace, by Jesus, giving his life for us. Grace that is so significant and wonderful to us. And the Spirit helps us to see how wonderful it is, see what's really there. You know, see something that's really great, as John Piper would say, not like a tele, not like a microscope. Seeing something really small that's insignificant and making it look big, that's not what the Spirit does. It takes something because of our own sinfulness, our own weakness, our own wrong perspective that seems so small, you know, like a telescope. It helps you to see what it really is. It really is wonderful grace. 
really is like seeing victory in Jesus is like really true. <laughs> it's, it's real. It makes us happy. It says we consider the others, and we consider the others who have found this very same grace. So submit. We serve one another. It comes naturally by community defined by receiving our needs and having to the ultimate sacrifice. That makes sense. So it's like, well, I'm the king of this community. This whole defining nature is you receive everything you have. The very life, the eternal punishment, the separation from all that's good forever. It's completely wrong to life. It's not because we've been dead. It's because he has. Yeah, amen. And so if that's the defining nature of who we are, it's literally we put ourselves under the authority of another. It's this idea that we, we want to serve. That's the idea. We serve. We serve one another. We want to help each other out. We have a problem. If we have a resource, help them out. They need someone to be around, be around them. Even if it's difficult. Those people are difficult. Yeah. You don't have someone who's difficult in your life. Either you're that person or you need to really get involved with some other people. Because it's challenging. And serve one another. You don't think of yourself as too great. Because you know it's true. And the spirits let you know that. Okay, so that's the reverse engineering of the spirit for That's the result. Okay, so now we come to the question how do we do it? Do it, right? Okay, guys, get it out there. Now, first of thing, we're going to give a negative example. It's not by doing these things. That's not the answer. How do we do it? Well, I need to start uh, addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And we need to start giving thanks, you know, counting blessings. Good thing to do. Good thing to do. It's not what Paul saying. Not. Not, not. This is not the way the Christian life works. It's cart before horse. Back is anti-gospel. You don't do stuff to become. You become something, then you start doing stuff. And you're encouraged to do that. You're taught to do stuff. But it's something that flows from an empowerment that's not your life. But we are to do something. Remember? Passive. Passive command. Do something so that something will happen to you. Let's look at this. Now, there are lots of things you could say. But let's look above in the text. I didn't start, by the way, with verse 18. Verse 15, because we have these other constructions of these imperatives, these commands right above. Look carefully, and I think this is what it is. Look carefully how you walk. So there's a skillful way in which you should be living life. Because the walk here is not talking about how you drive your car or how you, you know, walking in a funny way. You know, it's not, it's not about that. It's talking about your way of life. In Bogota, we would say, watch your sit. Watch how you sit. Oh, your sitting is your way of life. And they're the way they write. We don't have a walking metaphor. It says, the walk is unwise, but is wise. Making the best use of the time that you have in this time. Because the days are evil. You ever just kind of look around the world and go, man, you know what? It's all just going to end in love when I read the newspaper. Oh. You ever get that sense? No, I don't either. Why? Because that'd be kind of ridiculous when you're looking at them. Oh, are you reading the same news with my name? The world is characterized by evil. It's characterized by ignoring God or anti-God or just making him complete. If he is there, he's kind of irrelevant to my daily life. And you have that tendency too. To be that way. There is a tendency. There is a pull. We all know that, right? It's not about C.S. Lewis. You don't really know. <laughs> a world that you can be and then try not to be. Yeah. It's the same thing. And he says this. He says, use your ways wisely. And then he says, don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is, what he wants you to do. He has, a, he has a will for you. I'm not talking about, okay, does he want me to marry Jane or Susie? It's the will of the Lord. What's the point? It's what he's revealed to us, that he wants, how he wants us to live, how he wants us to see the world. Is make use of the time. The time's short. You ain't living long. The days are evil. It's not pretty. Live your life. The life. And then he says, don't get drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life, dissipate, destruction, sin, destruction, basically. But what? Well, we can go to our How are you using your time? What are you being filled by? That's the question. It's who's filling? Because you're going to be filled. It's like you, you, you live in constant streams pouring out. It's just like, what stream am I going to 
put myself on you. That's what Paul is saying. Taste of evil. You'll be filled by them. You'll be filled by wine. You'll be filled by various addictions. What you do? You'll be addicted by the latest thing? Or are you going to be filled with the Spirit? See, you want to be And the best thing that popped in my mind with the right now, we'll kind of close with this in a minute if you want. So, number six. I don't know if you ever read that. You guys ever read about the Nazarite Bible? Kind of an obscure passage. You know, it's one of those things that you read once a year if you have a year the Bible plan. You read probably, I don't know, in March or something like that. And it's this interesting vow. It's kind of weird. Gotta say, it's really weird. Here's what you can do it's a voluntary vow in the old covenant that you can make. And basically, what you do is man or woman can do it completely voluntary. It's your choice. Here's the conditions. You make this promise to God. You don't drink any wine. You don't eat any grapes. It says you don't even eat the skins of the grape or the seeds. Like no grapes. The whole point is wine, right? Don't drink any wine, which means normally you can drink it, right? But this you don't. And you don't cut your hair. And it says during this time, you can decide how long you want to do this. You can do a year, you want to do three months. Whatever it is, it's your decision. And it says during that time, you are holy to the Lord, set apart for him. And at the end, it's a very interesting thing. You have the sacrifice. It's a lot like the other sacrifices. You offer a ram, you part to the priest, you eat some of it. And then the hair that you had, that you grew out in that time, you cut it off, you literally throw it on the altar. It burns up. It's the only part that I can say where there's any part of the human <laughs> that's actually used as a sacrifice. Now, I used to get my hair cut at yeah, Mike's and Cedar Hill Barbers. That was very old school, straight razor, warm towel kind of place. Really good stuff, right? Yeah. And a decent price, which made it, you know, actually possible. And so he would, I remember one time I had a line, it's been a while since I had a haircut. I cut off that hair and I was just going through a difficult time in my life. And I sat there and looked at that hair that had fallen to the ground. That hair seen, seen a thing or two. It's all fall on the ground. You just look at that hair, the life that's been lived during that hair. And that's kind of the idea of the Nazarite vow. It's it's representing something. It's not something that's like, okay, you can't embrace and you gotta grow out your hair, then you throw your hair on the altar. That's weird. There's actually something incredibly, incredibly meaningful. This isn't just some weird thing that God said if you're gonna do this. Here's how you do it. Because it has a meaning. And also during that time, there's nothing you can do. Couldn't touch a dead body. Even if your dad died, he said, you don't touch it. You know, ruin the whole thing. You'll have to restart or whatever. You know, it's, it's, don't touch anything dead. Don't drink any wine. Now, what were the drugs in Israel at the time? It was the only drug they had. Alcohol. Wine, basically. But you couldn't touch a dead body. And during that time, you were holy. The best way I can say it, I'm not saying we should take mass right now. I'm not saying that. What's the lesson you need to know? What am I turning away from things that brings addiction? Because afterwards you can drink wine, right? So it's not wine is bad. It's not the message of when it's right about. But you're not addicted to anything during that time. And how am I turning away from this world that's marked by death? I think death is so normal. Death is in policy. Remember, remember in first John. And he says, do not love the world. Where do you think of it? Why? What's his argument? Because these things are what? Passing. It's interesting. Right? These things are temporary. He doesn't say they're bad. He doesn't even say they're bad. They are bad. He says they're passing away. It's, it's not. But the problem is that days are evil. Days are evil. Days are one by death. Destruction. He's starting a world. He's starting life through us. One day, he's going to finish it off. He's going to sign the check. Is make all things new. Now, are we going to be caught living in this world? Yeah, destruction, addicted to all sorts of things, not just drugs, not just alcohol, whatever. You know all of this. Are we living our lives? What way am I allowing the things of the Spirit to be? Meditating on his word, prayer, being significant, 
that I believe in sorry. That's the way the Spirit mercy you. That's the way you get fed by you. Or are we continually turning to the things that give us pleasure, addiction? Or are we turning to again and again the things of this world marked by death? Things that aren't bad. I think of some of my neighbors who have relatively positive views of Jesus, but don't have time. Remember what's one of the excuses in the parable that Jesus told? And they invite him to the feast. And say, No, I don't come. Why? Because I just got to I want to be in my life. That bad? No. Refuse God of the universe, eternal joy? Yeah, it's bad. So, the best of you turn away. Oh, I bought a field. So, oh, not bad thing. Something wrong with going to the field and working. That's a great thing. But what are the things of this world not necessarily bad? They're temporary and passing away. Are we being filled by one? Whereas Paul would say, we're filled with one. And a lot like a Nazarite not. So I thought of it. It's even very clear. It's the same basic idea. It's just the old covenant form. Let us be filled. So as you finish the sentence, garbage in. Serving self to a great degree. Death out. When you look at the list of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, peace. It's so funny how it's not, you look at the list of the other things, hatred, care, it's all about who, me, me. So I'm angry at everybody. You know? That's what I do all the time. Angry. Why? Because people not all these two things, it's me, it's my flesh, it's my addictions, it's my all these things. You read the list and the opposite list of the flesh, and it's almost difficult to read the public. It's so self-serving. It turns the spirits towards us, it turns towards others. We do Christ. So, that's it. Be filled with the spirit. May, let it be the spirit. This one you want, this is it. Let me thank you for your life, for your truth. We're thankful that we can be made new again and again and again that you're there for us. And all that we need in your spiritual benefit you know, that you give us. You're so generous and so grace. So Lord, we pray that again and again that we would turn away from the things that are passing away and let us be filled by your spirit. So bless us, Jesus. Amen.